Hello and welcome to Mangum Reads. We are in our podcast within a podcast pottering around where three muggles listen at the keyhole of the wizarding world. I am Sarah and I am here with BJ and Sir. How are y'all? A lot more thoroughly amused and impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a thing. What are you, what are we listening at? The keyhole. Oh, I... Yeah, I, it didn't sound like keyhole, and I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm really we're, confused. Okay. We're, li- we're listening at the keyhole. Gotcha. See, see my, my confusion was I only ever got to listen at the bottom of the door underneath the crack. Oh, you lost the fight. In the- <laughs> um, so here we are yeah. in our third episode of Pottering Around. Yep. Um, uh, with the chapter, The Letters from No One. How are we feeling? I think we're feeling pretty good. Um, Spencer had some uh, significant legal complaints about this episode, um, which I feel like legal he should, observations should air towards the end. Legal um, observations and and yeah, uh, Sarah. Once you're done with your recap, we'll go into our usual segments and uh, wander from there. All right, sounds good. Um, I will say at the outset, though, BJ, I heard that you were gotten back for singing Jeopardy music at me. Um, I, I, I was. <laughs> See the latest whiskey on the weekends for that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got a recap, and then we've got some segments. Do you all have different segments this time around? Uh, pretty much the uh, same. Okay. Spencer? Yep. Same with maybe a little bit of legal nerd bitching, just to keep uh, continuous with the, with the shows we do. Perfect. Um, All right, so I am going to go on the summary. I think I've got this down again. So this is chapter three, the letters from no one. And we start at the end of the very long punishment for the boa constrictor incident. And we meet Harry at the kind of in the middle of summer vacation. And so they are both kind of preparing to go back to school. Dudley is preparing to go to the sort of everything that is wrong with England condensed private school, which in England is called public school. And Harry is going to the local comprehensive. Um, So one morning, kind of when we get in the action, the post comes and Harry is sent to retrieve it. And there is a letter to him addressed in green ink to his cupboard under the stairs. And like an idiot, he doesn't hide it to read it later. So Uncle Vernon takes it, reads it, and sort of waxes Levitical. Um, The only insight we get into what's in the letter is a kind of like, I'm not having one in the house insight from Vernon. And Harry is moved, of course, to the smallest bedroom. Um, Then we start the Battle of the Post. And Harry and Vernon are sort of racing to get the letters, and they are... The letters keep coming in more and more unexpected ways, particularly after Vernon nails the doors shut in eggs down the chimney. Um, There's a very confused postman involved. And finally, after pulling out half his mustache, Vernon has them all pack up and they start driving to more and more remote locations. Uh, Vernon has really gone round the bend at this point. And they borrow a boat, row out to a dilapidated shack on a rock in the sea, and settle in for a miserable night. While sleeping on the floor of the shack, Harry starts a countdown to his birthday at midnight, July 31st, for anyone who is not in the know. And as Dudley's watch turns, there's an ominous pounding at the door. End chapter done. You're getting very efficient (laughs) about going through these summaries. I'm impressed. Thank you. Uh, You only have to tell me once. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even try and excoriate you for that. I was just telling you that, you know, the segment that you said would be about five minutes ran closer to 20. Like, I didn't complain. It was two minutes to five minutes. Like, let's get our facts right here. Uh, Hmm. 
Anyway. So that is the the gist of the chapter, I think. Um, where do we want to go mm-hmm. from here? Well, BJ, you want to start us off? Um, sure. Um, I just wanted to note uh, to Spencer's probably immense delight that the amount of alliteration that seems to be uh, <laughs> profuse without this book is is kind of impressive. Um, and just so many, so many things uh, like Harry hunting, the uh-huh. uh, smelting stick, um, uh-huh. a bunch of the names, mm-hmm. um, tiptoed through oh. the tulips happened to be like the song that we chose. <laughs> anyway, so there, um, I just wanted to note that. But my um, made-up word this this week again is going to be a nickname for Dudley um, and. Ickle Dudleykins. Yes, very near the beginning of the chapter. What was the one from last yes. week? Google decided that I was talking to it. <laughs> Google wanted to be helpful. Yeah. Thank you. What was it? What was it last week? Dudley Diddykins? Diddley yeah, Duddykins? Dudley something. I kept Diddley it Duddykins, yeah. Dinky did it was Dinky Duddy Dums. Okay. And I said probably all of the things that you mentioned (laughs) because it just didn't make sense. And it was uh, alliteration (laughs) and something that I would just be totally unhappy if my mom tried to call me, um, which I think is kind of the point. Ickle Dudleykins does roll off the tongue. Yes. (laughs) A lot. None of them are great. So so that is my, this is hilarious foolishness and um, I guess... Fairly amusing. Okay. okay. I would put not in the category of sort of um, wordplay, but the moment when Vernon is trying to hammer the door shut with a piece of something cake instead of hammer. I think it hits the same <laughs> hits the same note. I'm trying to remember that now. What, what, what was he using to hammer that? It was some type of cake. Petunia has handed it to him. Oh, it's fruit cake. Of course it is. <laughs> Uncle Vernon trying to knock That's in a, a nail with the piece of fruit cake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. <laughs> Spencer, what do you got? Well, well, in terms of newbie's notes, a few things came to mind. One, I do have it written on the top here, BJ, that J.K. Rowling's love of alliteration is just tickling me nonstop, because that just makes it a delight for me to read as I go through these chapters. It does. <laughs> I like it. Uh, point number two, I talked about last week that I was really amused by the really heavy folktale, uh, Brothers Grimm kind of influences that we're drawing from the chapter. Mm-hmm. This one is straight inspired by Warner Brothers, and it just tickles me. Where this is a Warner Brothers cartoon of where they were like fleeing Pepe Le Pew, and it, it it is funny. It is over the top. It is going back to all those kind of wonderful Bugs Bunny moments of my childhood, and that just really amused me. That uh, J.K. Rowling is really drawing from some classic children's uh, uh, forms of entertainment from very different eras to write this. Yeah, and so they go through uh, a number of different places, and I sort of breezed over them because the chapter also does. Um, Vernon is just sort of like muttering, shake him off, shake him off, as he drives through the English oh, yeah. countryside. Um, Pretty sure that's not the Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, I hope it is, though. <laughs> that's where she got her inspiration. <laughs> Little known fact. Um, yeah, so they're like on the outskirts of the city. They're, where else are they? They're in like the middle of a field. They're in the middle of a field at one point. They're going to the most remote hotel that they can mm-hmm. find. And then just to continue this to the most extreme thought possible, as you said, they end up on a rocky crag in the middle of the ocean as a storm is coming in. Yeah, it's just a, a shack on a rock. Yeah. So it, with 
with Vernon very, very content in the fact that here, here at least, they shall be safe from the magically appearing spy letters. And now I will say, um, one thing to note is he has gotten a couple of things sort of from the weird, decrepit owner of the shack, um, including mm-hmm. a mysterious long, thin packet, which does come up in the next chapter. So just just to note. Now, they didn't get any real provisions. Um, there are a couple of, like, crisp wrappers and some bananas, maybe? I don't remember exactly what they have, but it's not food. Well, if this is continuing the Warner Brothers theme, I'll go out on a limb and say that long, thin package is going to be a gun that's going to in some way backfire on him. Just to keep the Looney Tunes Warner Brothers theme <laughs> going on to the next chapter. Got it in one, Spencer. Hey! <laughs> uh, very impressed. Um... The, the only other thing I have for newbie notes is just from a legal standpoint, I would like to advise all of our li- listeners that interfering with the mail is a crime. And I checked in both the United States and UK, where in the UK you could face up to two years of prison time. And in the United States, that can go up to five years if you're found actually destroying it in the way that it occurs here and a $250,000 fine. Now, to so, be fair, there is no stamp on any of these letters. Does it? Actually, it, I didn't it remember says what that the, specifically. This, when the first letter comes, um, let me find hmm. it because I reread it again today. Um, and it said, blah, blah, a letter for Harry. Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a giant ele- elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had written to him who would, blah, blah, blah. The envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment, and the address was written in emerald green ink. There was no stamp. Interesting. That, that isn't. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm right now, right now reading the statute to see whether it actually bothers <laughs> to define the term "mail" or not. And all it says is that whoever, without authority, opens or destroys any mail or package of newspapers not directed to him. So I have to dig deeper in to find what the definition of mail is. But yeah. I'm directed. I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming there's probably some state equivalent that goes back to the 1700s pre-postal stamp <laughs> that I can find that still verifies that this kind of whatever form of delivery that's occurring could also be included but that will require more research and also does it it, is it included in the case of a minor i'm sure yeah potentially but it's not the minor that's destroying it minors are allowed to receive mail too they have rights in the law and it's an adult that's inflicting the crime he's 100 percent perfectly subject to the laws and authority of both nations the authority of the queen um (laughs) and potentially there's some kind of magical law at play here too that i'm not even pondering yet (laughs) but i don't have a legal tome of what of however the the magical world works you disappoint me spencer if it exists, I will buy it. But I do not have on hand a guide to the Harry Potter world of magic legal legal um, oh, laws and regulations. Okay. BJ? You could always do some fanfic. <laughs> I don't know if it's fiction at that point. Is it just like fan writing? Fan, I don't know. Fan code? Fan, I don't know. <laughs> hey, there are legal journals that have been based on much much poor basis. <laughs> Uh, so Sarah, do, Sarah, do you have a um, today you're muggling? I have an I have an everyday you're muggling because this is one of the really one of the last chapters of this book that we get sort of pure muggle chapters, um, and this actually comes from the same place that your Ickle Dudleykins comes from, PJ, um, which is when Dudley has come back with his really quite ridiculous school uniform, um, but. So what, it, what the paragraph is, that evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for his family in his brand new uniform. Smelting's boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers, and flat straw hats called boaters. They also carried knobbly sticks used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. This was supposed to be good training for later in life. Um, 
And the, I mean, this this uniform is obviously ridiculous, but maybe it's because we're in sort of mid to late August. I guess we're in mid-August. Um, <laughs> but like schools are starting again. And this, the idea of coming home with new school, school clothes or school supplies or whatever and parading them around in the in the living room to what becomes very clear in the next paragraph is like the abject joy of your parents. <laughs> Like this is this is real. This is some eleven-year-old real life um, that I really resonate with. <laughs> Mine were more sort of like American Girl overalls and a new backpack. But I guess if I had a smelting stick, like that would have been fine. I don't know. So that is the most Muggle of Muggle moments in this chapter. So I, I guess um, now we move on to. Uh, pestering Sarah about things not making sense in the wizarding world. I think it was just questions. questions. I don't know that it was necessarily (laughs) things not making sense. Um, So I I think the thing that that I'm going to harp on again is I just, I had this sense from my memory of reading these books that magical things sort of were supposed to be kept away from muggles. And these letters just seem like a, yeah, but like, we don't really feel like it right now. Well, I, so I think that's true. I think that there are, I think you're, I think you're right. I think your point is right. Um, I think that there are sort of circumstances that the magicking world feels justify um, these types of actions. But I will say what I really think, so I think that there are a couple of things working in this particular situation. One of them is it's, it's Harry Potter. And he doesn't know that he's Harry Potter, but Dumbledore knows that he's Harry Potter, and everybody at Hogwarts knows that he's Harry Potter. Um, the other is that it is not explained or necessarily entirely clear um, in the moment, but it is clear in hindsight that, like, with the conversation of um, the Dursleys when the first letter comes and Vernon intercepts it, that we are not breaking news to the Dursleys that the wizarding world exists. Um, So the same strictures, yeah, the same strictures that might surround a sort of purely muggle family who does not have any prior knowledge do not necessarily apply in this situation Um, because they already know. And so we are not necessarily, now they already know and what we, and in the next chapter we find out like part of the reason they were allowed to still know is that, like, they were expected to relay some of this information to Harry um, at some point ever. Uh, Whereas the Dursleys have seemingly made it their life mission to keep every aspect of that world away from exactly. it. Exactly. Um, which, like, that that seems to be sort of unknown to the Wizarding World. And so, you know, the circumstances under which these letters are being sent are a little bit unclear whether, like... Well, it's, it's, it's clear that they were supposed to know. Um... And that they were supposed to have been informing Harry about all of it all along. But um, they are not, as it turns out, oddly enough. And um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if that's a sort of like, if that is supposed to be a thing. We're like, oh, well, these muggles kind of already know. Um, so therefore, the rules are relaxed. Or if this is a sort of different situation, I'm not sure. Gotcha. Spencer? Okay. Uh, well, one thing just to note is that you brought up another example of how our versions of the book are different, in that I noted when I was reading through this that they switched uh, private and public school when they went when they brought it to the U.S. edition. Yeah, um, and that's just like a a U.S. versus U.K. switch. So, like weirdly enough, elite 
what we would call private schools in England are public schools. Like if you get a public school education, that means that you have been to the sort of like Eton. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know what a U.S. equivalent is um, of the sort of elite <laughs> private boarding school. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Science and math, sort of. Yeah, Durham Academy. You went to the, you went to Durham Academy, and that would be public school. In um, well, it's another example of where they guess they figured that U.S. listeners would just be so blindingly confused they would have set the book down. So I imagine we're going to get a few updates like that over the course of this book. So do they say when they're explaining where Harry is going next year, do they say public school or do they say the local comprehensive? They say the local public school. Okay, so it's the local comprehensive here, um, hmm. which is a sen- which means public school. And the only reason I'm not confused about that is I watch a lot of ish crime dramas um so i actually had one more question Mm -hmm. and then we can wrap up which is um i feel like i should know this but um i'm sure that spencer doesn't which is the purple wax seal with the coat of arms with a lion and eagle a badger and a snake Mm -hmm. are those the houses they are I yeah I had no memory of ah. like I figured that the snake was but I had yeah. no memory about the other three and so we talked a little bit last episode so the snake is Slytherin um, yes. the lion is Gryffindor that makes sense the sort of. the eagle is Ravenclaw and um, which doesn't make a whole Amusingly lot of sense. misnamed and also uh, Hufflepuff being a badger just doesn't um, snuggly and fiercely protective I completely disagree with that. <laughs> Okay. Sure. But yes, those those are the four houses of Hogwarts. Gotcha. Yeah, that are in uh, the seal. A c- couple of quick questions for me before mm-hmm. we go, if we have a second. Sure. Um, one, one for me as well is that I have to assume, from what you guys have kind of hinted at before, that Harry's not, not the only miser- uh, member or potential member of the wizarding community that lives in the muggle world mm-hmm. for a, a portion of the year. Mm-hmm. He's also presumably not the only member of the wizarding, family, wizarding world that lives with a muggle family that is not part of the wizarding world. Um... Is there a level of secrecy of where do all are all Muggle families in the know, or are some intentionally kept uh, separate and, and keep, have the Wizarding World kept from them? Do the, are the children trying to keep this under wraps even as they go to school, or is uh, everyone kind of, kind of in a similar situation to the Dursleys? Yeah. So as far as we know, um, and as far as we are ever led into, I mean, the parents are told um, every family gets this letter. Uh, I think. You know, in this situation, the letters are being sent to the Dursleys under the assumption that they have told Harry anything, as I said earlier. But um, we do get, like, several different instances later in the books of um, stories of muggle-born magical children who come to Hogwarts, who have dealt with their parents getting the letters, kind of dealing with their parents, um... None of them are particularly dire. Like, none of it is a sort of, like, I have been disowned by this family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so as far as we know, and maybe there are stories, stories otherwise, but as far as we know, all of the parents are told and are more or less on board um, with the idea when, they're, when their children go to Hogwarts. Okay. And then follow-up to that, are we to assume the, I'll say, aggressiveness of the delivery of letters in Harry's case is a product of his unique situation? Or is Hogwarts similarly responsive to people trying to reject it? We don't know anything about any sort of rejections otherwise, um, so I think we are led to believe that this is Harry's particular case. 
that is going on here. Dumb- Dumbledore yes. or um, what was the name of the female professor? Uh, McGonagall, yep. something like that. Yeah. That this this is then maybe intervening in the process because they are really trying to get this letter where it should. Yes. Yeah, so what whatever might happen with Muggle or magical children of Muggle families in other circumstances, we know by the end of next chapter that this circumstance is different. Gotcha. Say anything about that? Okay. <laughs> um, well, thank you for joining us for the uh, third installation of Pottering Around a. Um, as Sarah called it, sort of uh, podcast within a podcast, uh, a subset <laughs> of Mangum Reads. Um, and uh, look uh, for all of our content on mangumtalks.com. We have a variety of podcasts, and we'd love it if you listen to all of them. Stay tuned for chapter four, which has a title that I didn't look at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rapidly scrolling to it. One second. <laughs> the Keeper of the Keys. <laughs> oh, damn it, I got there. Oh, maybe that's the keyhole thing that we were talking about. No, they fought over. Anyway. <laughs> oh, these, these tiny pictures are—I didn't mention it before—but these little tiny pictures that start the chapter are adorable too. Do you guys have those on your versions? Um, uh, I do in maybe. other books, but not in this one. Ah, okay. This this gives me a hint that this looks like a giant figure, so I'm guessing Hagrid may be making an appearance. Ooh. To be determined. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, everyone. All right, bye, y'all.